Hello and welcome to the Bipolar Feminist Podcast. This is your host Nikita Ramkisun and today we are discussing whiteness in interracial relationships. Trigger warning. This episode makes mention of various trigger points in interracial relationships including a lot of racial trauma. The way we talk about interracial relationships, especially in media, entertainment and social media, is often reductive and harmful and is often used as a token symbol of racism being over. In these discussions, the focus is usually on interracial relationships being between a non-white person and a white person. So whiteness is constantly centered and anything outside of that is othered, as if relationships between desis and black folk don't exist. So in a world that places so much value on representation, it's important to point out when the representation we're given is shallow or toxic. To me, it's pretty clear that depictions of interracial relationships in pop culture and in conversations surrounding these pairings are failures because they are binary and almost laughably predictable. Like white partners asking their racialized partners to accept them for being white or even using their relationship as a shield against accusations of racism. Currently, these relationships are portrayed as social phenomenons to be fetishized and commodified. And perhaps most unforgivingly, this outlook strips the conversation of the only thing worth discussing, how power operates in our most intimate spaces. As a society, we've grown accustomed to viewing interracial relationships of all kinds through a lens of consumption and commodification. And proper recognition of power dynamics is completely at odds with the mission of commodification. Interracial relationship influences on social media are a prime example of this. Under the hashtags of mixed family and interracial couple, one can find the almost subtly noxious and frankly cringeworthy discourse about race. For centuries, women of color throughout the world have been sexually victimized by white men. Specifically, black women have been dehumanized to legitimize and justify abhorrent sexual and non-sexual violence that has been perpetrated against our bodies for centuries. Despite being the victims of white men's sexual aggression time and time again, these dark women have also been labeled temptresses who with their wily ways seduce white men. Unfortunately, this fetishization of non-white women has persisted into the modern era. In turn, for many women of color who date outside of our races, there is a valid concern about being viewed as sexual objects opposed to a partner. How does a brown woman in an interracial relationship tease out if a man is motivated by love for her or has preconceived notions of her sexual prowess based solely on skin color? There's also another layer to the interracial relationship that must be explored, that of the white man's need to legitimize his skills as a great lover just by being in a relationship with a woman of color. It's the John Smith mentality of civilizing the wild and untamable, exotic and unfamiliar Pocahontas to ensure harmony in his aims of colonization. Similarly, black men are fetishized for their bodies and sexual prowess. I couldn't tell you how many times in person and on dating apps, I couldn't tell you how many times in person and on dating apps a non-black person has been overjoyed to tell my friends how they don't usually like black guys or how much they love big black cock or how much they have always wanted to get fucked by a black guy. Black men are unbelievably expected to take these things as compliments and give their bodies to anyone who feels entitled to them. Not only is it not complimentary in the slightest, it's insulting. Is dehumanizing and believe it or not it's racist they are seen as absolutely nothing besides their dicks as if that's all they are and all they possibly could be especially in a world whose ideas of black maleness have been shaped by the stereotypes of the black peril the dangerous savage black man who will rape your woman if you leave them unattended it's a trope from colonization that has endured through white fears 
that black men have and will sully the good image of a so-called decent white woman. Systemic racism and white supremacy have had a violent impact on the psyche and body over generations. They also impact our natural impulse to envision the future. Generally, we are hardwired to see what's wrong and fight against it. Yet, we also need to imagine our lives beyond struggle and have a broader vision than resistance or conflict. And so, when we, as people of color, are faced with the intricacies of interracial dating, it's often better just not to. When I look back at my previous white partners, I realize now that I toned down my brownness for them so as to be more palatable. I knew somewhere deep down that my being attractive to them came at the expense of pride in my culture, language and ways of living, but also my ways of thinking. I have what is considered a white taste in music, did relatively white nerdy things like play D&D and was validated in white spaces for being so-called well-educated and well-spoken by white standards. If I spoke about my experiences as a brown person, they were usually shrugged off, not as a symptom of chronic whiteness, but as a one-off bad experience with a few bad apples. I was judged as being too sensitive or reading too much into things. Essentially, I was gaslit out of the niggling feeling that there was something larger at play. I cared what they thought, so I backed down and kept quiet. There's a terribly strange feeling of whiteness prevailing no matter what. Research has shown that white people often enter interracial relationships quite naive to the realities of race and racism. Communities and social circles are notoriously segregated in the US and in most other places where whiteness prevails. Add to this equation growing up in a fairly white social circle that espouse colorblindness and are sheltered by white privilege, it's not hard to believe that many white people enter into interracial relationships assuming that racism is particularly a thing of the past or a brand of Nazism. I want to think about whether those judgments or lack of validation from white folks are actually important to or for me. I understood the fetishism of Indian women, which is the product of an unholy union of colonial indoctrination and patriarchy. And I understand the power dynamic attached to every interracial relationship, not just romantic ones. No matter how much proximity I can claim to whiteness through what they consider educated and cultured, I am very brown. I only realized over the past decade that I am sick of constantly evaluating and examining myself through a white lens and subjecting myself to white standards. I am really tired of hating on myself. White people can move easily through the world as good people, by default, unaware of their racial impact. However, for people of color, our skin is sensitive and irritated from such constant exposure. Until people really understand our experiences and are able to hear the terror and distress underneath the anger at racism, we are dismissed as exaggerating and a personal criticism of our sensitivity. White folk feel blamed for exclusively white settings and think that we are implying that they or their family are racist, so they defend themselves, often violently. Since then, many white partners have learned to name their reactions as white fragility and have started to examine it deeply, but most haven't. I always found myself faced with the awful burden of addressing my white partners about sensitive racial issues, which proved more difficult and painful than I could have ever imagined. What helped relieve me of feeling as though it was my responsibility alone to educate them about race was them waking up and educating themselves around racial issues and their own whiteness and white privilege and how that manifested itself in our dynamic when faced with conflict. Even though those relationships did end, it's also the case in many friendships. My acceptance within those relationships have largely been contingent on my assimilation to whiteness. I have since let a lot of those friends go. 
It's uncomfortable to discuss the experience of being profiled or followed around a store suspiciously. And it must be tough for people who claim to be new to POC experiences to believe and understand that everyday life experience for us can include a mixture of emotions, anxiety, and potential confrontations. Living in a politicized body is not easy. So when problematic things are said, it can be difficult to know whether we should give more grace, because isn't this person dealing with the same internalized racism due to white supremacy and colonization? With white people, it feels more cut and dry. The intimacy of interracial relationships between people of color can lead to a more complex and fulfilling discussion, but also more conflict over how to deal with it. But let me just say, white people can no longer claim ignorance. In relationships with white people, we have structures of internalized superiority and internalized inferiority that have resulted in white people overestimating their human value or are unencumbered by race, and people of color underestimating their worth based on race. As a result, white folks can become destructively entitled and takers, while people of color can experience a pervasive sense of shame, failure, and loss of hope. Systemic racism and racial polarization are dangerous forces to civilization and our existence. It means interracial relationships are often mental minefields. I refuse to believe that white people are so blind to racism that they can only see it when in intimate relationships with people of color. Surely Prince Harry knew about the racism stitched into the stolen tapestry of his family's history long before Meghan even set foot in Buckingham Palace. Personal acts of non-prejudice and non-judgment on a white person's part won't do much for me, because their individual actions won't erase the history of colonialism and oppression that afflicts my people. I don't see any point of reconciliation happening until former colonies are freed, truly, and are given economic, political and social freedom that will effectively undo the damages of trauma of centuries of slavery and colonialism. Personal acts of solidarity and words of brotherhood are vacuous without tangible material equality. I believe that we as POC have done enough to assimilate to white society. We wear their clothes, we eat their food, we read their works of their intellectuals, we read their history, and we speak and study in their language. For fuck's sake, I'm speaking this very piece in the language of my colonizer. I'm unwilling to change my fundamental values, my core attitudes and my behaviors, compromise my identity as an Indian person, and most importantly, be shamed for my cultural baggage, or historical baggage for that matter. I wish to reclaim the stereotypes surrounding brown people. I want to attack racism and not condone brown misogyny. I wish, simply, to be brown and proud, openly and unapologetically. I refuse to be seen as an equal only in accordance with white people's standards. Sometimes this is what is expected in an interracial relationship, and it freaks me the fuck out when people expect it. Most white partners who enter these relationships with little knowledge about racism more often than not, rely on their POC partners to do the work of educating them. But that's problematic, ethically creating more intellectual and emotional labor on behalf of POC partners. Not to mention, this is part of a wider pattern in our society where white people, whether they're friends, co-workers or loved ones, rely on the brown people in their lives to operate as agents of epiphany by guiding them into a racial awakening. In other words, they lean on POC to teach them about the deep-seated and deeply flawed structures that every person in this world should not only be aware of, but also actively fight against. In interracial relationships, this could take the form of an ill-informed comment made by a white partner, not unusual in the beginning, which can result in emotional and psychological stress and fatigue on the partner of color. Previous research has produced numerous studies on the dynamics of interracial relationships, However, there is still a large gap in existing research 
concerning how whiteness and white privilege impacts these relationships. One study from Minnesota State University concluded that whiteness and white privilege impacts interracial relationships in the following ways. 1. The racial salience of the relationship. 2. The acknowledgement of privilege in the relationship. And 3. The whiter the couple looks, the less racism or discrimination they face. While non-interracial relationships share similarities with interracial relationships in their development, there are some key differences that occur. There have been identified one key difference for interracial couples. Their relationship development is largely dependent on how society views it, rather than how the two people within the relationship view it. And the truth is, a relationship with a white person is seen as aspirational to people of color, and that it is viewed by others that racism is being eradicated by society fits into the narrative of white superiority. The myth of white superiority and inferiority of the other is a major threat to human dignity. On a global level, this myth leads to institutional disregard, where contributions by people of color are ignored, demeaned, and not recognized as valuable. This unspoken story was present in my previous couple dynamics, and acknowledging that racism and unearned racial privilege were operating within our interpersonal dynamics was not easy. These issues are never easy. Misunderstandings happen, inherently creating new opportunities to engage one another, and self-examination is so necessary, which means acknowledging racism and or privilege and choosing to make those conscious decisions is absolutely key. It's painfully obvious that we are not given much of a roadmap when it comes to navigating interrelationships with white people as people of color. But even on social media and pop culture, representation of these relationships, especially ones with white people, white racism is heavily sanitized or ignored. Often, the burden of prejudice is laid on the shoulders of the partner of color through stereotypes, such as the Desi family who is too conservative, the East Indian family who are too emotionally withholding, or a black family that is too ignorantly suspicious of white people. Or even, in perhaps the most egregious example, the indigenous family that's too resistant to their own genocide. There's also the fetishization of interracial relationships on full display on Instagram, where there are mixed baby accounts, where parents can submit photos of their children with details of their parents' ethnicities. Here, biracial children, and particularly those without white parents, are exotified. When they exist outside of whiteness, people in interracial relationships and multiracial people are often denied their humanity. However, from my observation, the people harmed most by our current discourse around interracial relationships are often dark-skinned, monoracial brown women, whether they're in an interracial relationship or not. I became witness to partners and friends' racial stories, which included arguments, weeks of feeling all the feelings, and some eventually coming to racial awareness and sensitivity in our relationships, leading us to create an atmosphere that was more welcoming, harmonious, and empathetic, not free of arguments all the time. We all know our habitual impulses as they relate to racial harm and distress. Some of us lash out. We still do. Some of us hold it in. We still do. And some of us tune out, putting little energy into what distresses us or harms others. Needless to say, those relationships have ended. My journey of racial awareness and healing has been productively messy because people's hearts tend to lag behind our heads. And as much as we try, we aren't always aware of how our oppression and privilege operate. It's also messy because we're dealing with generations of racial suffering and ignorance on both sides. It's a delusion to believe that our hearts won't be broken again and again in this waking process and that we won't find ourselves often in the throes of fear, righteousness and ill will. As we cultivate mutual relational responsibility, we are creating new relational dances that are not solely dictated by constraining privilege and oppressive dynamics. 
When I talk with my white ex-partners now about racial struggles and or pain, some have learned to ask, tell me more about that. And this helps me feel seen, validated, visible and heard. Some, however, are still heavily in denial. I've learned to give voice to my racial suffering without fear of them lashing out, blaming or playing the victim. Now I have perfect responses. Sometimes it's the block button. Our relationship patterns and stories are good places to begin noticing and renouncing old racial habits of harm and to shift towards caring and empathy, especially towards ourselves as people of color, which is essential to racial awareness, racial identity healing and transformation. It is with the ones who refuse to acknowledge the problem with whom I have been and probably will for a long time be at loggerheads. Especially when we choose not to engage anymore. When we hold up relationships with white people as a sign of radical social change, they most definitely are not. We position brown women with no proximity to whiteness and no distance from brownness as the enemy of racial progress. Brown women's distrust of others' white partners, especially if they are women, is recast as a combination of hate, ignorance and bitter jealousy. See white women's tears. I have seen countless brown women teased and harassed online if they dared to say anything that might be seen as hostile towards interracial relationships. And this harassment has often devolved into racist insult, slurs, or insulting people about their appearance or intelligence. Brown women become the obstacle holding everyone back, a figure to be mocked and derided and ultimately ignored, even though it's brown women's particularly keen understanding of gender and racial power dynamics that work together that often cause our weariness in the first place. Discourse surrounding whiteness is relatively uncharted territory within relationships that has remained invisible and continues to influence the identity of those both within and without its domain. The main reason why whiteness and white identity is still uncharted territory is because, like white privilege, not many people, and particularly white people, acknowledge and recognize their race. They don't know how they've been racialized, because to them, whiteness is normal. Many white people cannot remember a time where they first noticed that they were white because whiteness was, for them, unremarkable. It's everywhere. Therefore, the need to study this term is indeed paramount to research because the lack of scholarship and discourse on whiteness, especially in relation to brownness and brown relationships with whiteness, is exhibited in relationships and plays out violently. My friends and partners of other races try to navigate the world being fully aware of the biases of others as well as our own. I understand that a lot of Indian South Africans are still very anti-black and this is another issue to be addressed another day. I also understand that despite their wokeness and the awareness of my identity, some of my white friends still ascribe to some societal scripts about race and gender. I don't believe that white people are superior and that having a white partner elevates me as an individual. However, I do understand that some strangers may perceive that racism, interracial couples are not an important issue to some. But one of the innate challenges of interracial couples, racism cannot be ignored. One important aspect of my relationships is grappling with our cultural differences against the backdrop of a very racist world. One particular ex-partner and I used to talk about our love and sexuality in the context of colonialism, wealth, disparities and white privilege. We acknowledged that we can't possibly get everything right and there would be cringeworthy moments over the years. However, the world's attitudes on mixed marriages may continue to change with the times. Either way, we chose to focus on our partnership, our friendship, and externally with each individual. To be with someone and face the world's racism and perceptions together has to be an active decision every single time. Because the revolution will not happen in the bedroom. It will not happen if we learn a new language or a new recipe. It won't happen if we learn how to address our partner's parents or what kind of music their family likes to listen to. 
Those are all nice and often necessary things. But to have real discussions, we have to start getting serious about discussing power and decentering whiteness in every single relationship, not just romantic ones. Thank you for listening. I would like to thank my patrons for their continued support and making this podcast possible. Should you wish to support me, please subscribe to The Bipolar Feminist on Patreon or donate directly to Nikki Starfish on Coffee.